Well, one thing I was going to point out, even though the sale numbers dropped this year, uh, one thing that I heard from producers is that, you know, if things turn around, they could reactivate some of these sow farms. They could restock. I mean, if you destock, you know, you could repop those farms. Um, the market's been back up. So don't be surprised if this industry turns and starts expanding again. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Zinpro, Essential Trace Minerals, Exceptional Performance, Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high quality, safe and sustainable way. Alonco's Prevacent, a new perspective. Visit prevacentpers.us to learn more. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. Thanks, Betsy. Um, appreciate you being here today in the show. And um, just want to get your insights on the Pork Powerhouse 2020, what you've seen, but also, you know, for those that don't know you, if you can share your background your, in your career so far. Sure. So I'm Betsy Fries, and I have been with Successful Farming Magazine as an editor for 36 years. And I've been covering the swine industry the whole time. Um, now, the Pork Powerhouses Report, which is a ranking of the largest producers in the U.S., um, and it depends on the year. Sometimes I rank the top 25. Sometimes I rank the top 40. This year, I rank the top 40. It depends on what kind of data I have. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've been doing that now for 26 years. So... I have uh, sow numbers on the largest producers for, you know, going on three decades. So it's, it's fun. I enjoy yeah. it. Uh, every year, it's a different story, frankly. Yeah, I love that. What, uh, what's been for you some of the biggest uh, insights as you look over the decades? I started in 1994. And um, at that point, the industry was really expanding rapidly. Some very large farms were being built with investor uh, Wall Street money. Mm -hmm. And so we were just interested in taking a look at how many sows do these people have. Of course, the number of sows at that time would seem small today. But um, during the 90s, the largest producers uh, were based in North Carolina for the most part, although mm -hmm. there was growth in the Midwest. And then um, the market crashed in 1998, and then the, that's when Packer consolidation started to happen. So Smithfield Foods bought the largest pork producers. They bought Murphy Farms. They bought Carroll's Foods and a few others. So then since then, Smithfield Foods has been the largest pork producer in the U.S., and they've only grown since then, really. 
This episode's sponsor's highlight is about Alonco's Prevacent. Isn't it time your PERS protocol evolved? Alonco's Prevacent PERS is safe and effective, offering at least 26 weeks of immunity duration against the respiratory form of PERS. As the first and only on-market USDA-licensed vaccine containing a contemporary Lineage 1 field strain, Prevacent is a contemporary solution. Connect with your veterinarian or an Elan co-representative to understand how Prevacent can fit your operation. Visit prevacentprrs.us to learn more. Prevacent, it's time for a new perspective. And then uh, let's see. So if you come now to 2020 and the, the current report, Betsy, what uh, any surprises there or what's being your your take takeaway as well? Well, I think this is a real crucial year for the swine industry for many reasons. But um, for the first time in 10 years, uh, the sow numbers actually dropped for the largest uh, my pork powerhouses ranking. Mm-hmm. That has only happened, um, I believe, once before in the 26 years. We had a, a decrease in sow numbers in 2010. Um, it just wasn't a very profitable time, so some mm-hmm. people cut sow farms. But mm-hmm. it's been growth since then, and in fact, the industry was expanding rapidly leading into the um, the coronavirus pandemic. So I would say when everything just... Um, went to heck in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can use a lot of different terms, but um, the pandemic really forced some people to decide, this is it, I'm out. Um, if you had facilities that were old and you had, uh, you know, reoccurring disease breaks in your sow herd and that kind of thing, it seemed like a pretty good time just to throw in the towel. And so we saw a lot of producers basically closing some sow farms. They're older farms, they're more disease-prone farms. They have mm-hmm. closed, and a lot of that has happened um, since March. But we do have, uh, so on my ranking, I show 61,000 sows drop this year versus uh, last year. Now, Keep in mm-hmm. mind, it's actually more than that because Maxwell Foods had 50,000 sales about, right. and they are done as of um, their last sales are going to fare in December. So yeah. I went ahead and, and um, took them off the list. Mm-hmm. So you could add, you know, you could add another 50,000 sales to that. So over 100,000 sales really are out of the industry. And then you have somebody like Hitch down in Guymon, Oklahoma, they're also out. They had 15,000 sows, which is enough to really make the top 40, but it's still 15,000 sows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, on the Maxwell case, I don't think I know all the details. It was just more from a financial, financial standpoint for them? They had sold um, a bunch of sows, I think 30 or 40,000 sows to Clemens Foods, the packing company Clemens Uh they had sold those a year ago and they were looking to sell their sales. So they actually, um, you know, were trying to find a buyer already. And I think when the pandemic hit, they just said, forget it. We're just wow. closing up. They're wow. actually involved. Um, they turned around and sued Smithfield foods after announcing that they were closing their sale farms. They, 
getting out of the hog business. They are suing Smithfield, um, saying that they really, uh, something to do with contracts and that they didn't have a fair tract. Oh, wow. Wow. Interesting. Well, and if you look at the, I guess one question is, what was the one production system that grew the most? And the, on, the, on your top 40, so they grew the most and also they reduced the most. I guess Maxwell might be one, but the next one. Well, I'm looking at the list now and, um, you know, Smithfield Foods actually dropped by 15,000 sales. Percentage-wise, that's not as much as others. Percentage-wise, some of the smaller companies, you know, if you have, if you mm -hmm. have 28,000 sales and you drop to 21,000, that's a, that's a higher percentage drop, but right. uh, mash offs also dropped. They dropped um, from 195 to 187 and mm -hmm. then Prestige farms dropped from 185 to 178. Mm -hmm. So some of those larger firms are just, um, you know, they're just cutting back. Now, if you look at two systems that grew, You've got the Carthage system, which is a veterinary-based management system, mm -hmm. and then AMVC Management Services, another veterinary-based system. They have grown, um, and that's kind of along the trend of uh, just people using these veterinary management companies to take care of their pigs, whether it's Pipestone, Carthage, or AMVC. Those are the largest, mm -hmm. but that's a trend. Um, and then you look at, I have, um, there's a group on here called the Allied Producers Cooperative. And this is a group of about 13 different family farmers, independent um, farmers. And mm -hmm. they had last year a total of 102,000 sales. Uh, they're based in Iowa. Uh, they're down to 85,000. So they dropped quite a few sales. And that would just be a case of, you know, all of those guys, they might have had some older barns or something, but it was a crisis in, in mm. April here where you just couldn't get your pigs to the packing plant and people had to euthanize market hogs, they had to euthanize feeder pigs and abort sows. It was a very ugly time. So I think some people just said, in that case, maybe some people got out of that cooperative or got out of business, but okay. very sad time. Yeah, it's super tough. Super tough times, and and um, it's of course the pork business is super volatile, and um, it's uh, that's why I've been asking a lot of my guests, like what from a cash reserve standpoint and and capital strategies, what they did to be successful over the years. You know, something that I kind of like to learn about. Let's see, on the Allied Producers Co Cooperative. Do you know who would be the largest there from, from those independent? Because I'm not sure if I, if I met uh, anyone there, but maybe I just don't know who is in that group. Actually, the largest producer in, that's involved with that cooperative, I split out separately on the list. Okay. So uh, Livingston Enterprises in Fairbury, um, Nebraska has 35,000 sales, and they actually grew a little from last year. They are involved with that cooperative, but because they're large enough to be on my list individually, um, Bruce Livingston, who, who owns that, asked to be broken out. So mm -hmm. um, everybody else, I think there's a couple others that have 15,000 sales in that um, cooperative, okay. but not, none of the others are large enough to be on the list themselves. So I kind of group them together. 
Very cool. Well, this is cool and, and we appreciate you putting together that. I mean, I'm sure I, I look at that and many people look at that. So really appreciate all the work there, Betsy. And um, I guess one thing that, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on, on this year's um, Park Powerhouse before I ask you some of the questions that we always ask any, uh, every guest. Okay. Well, one thing I was going to point out, even though the sale numbers dropped this year, uh, one thing that I heard from producers is that, you know, if things turn around, they could reactivate some of these sow farms. They mm. could restock. I mean, if you destock, you know, you could repop those farms. Um, the market's been back up. So don't be surprised if this industry turns and starts expanding <laughs> again. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. They're very optimistic, you know. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I guess one question on that topic is, and you mentioned uh, purse breaks and health, you know, health problems and facilities and those things. But on a big picture, over the decades, beyond those points, anything else that you see, hey, common patterns on successful producers, I guess. Well, you know, the big pattern is you have to either be a packer yourself or you have to have a very tight marketing contract with a packer. Mm -hmm. um, the guys who are, are still out there on the negotiated market on the Iowa Southern Minnesota market, they really got hurt this spring. And um, so you really have to be tight with your packer. And there's, there's still independent family farmers in this group like Brenneman, mm -hmm. uh, but they have a very good marketing, um, you know, kind of process that they go through and they worked with Tyson foods when the plant went down and Columbus junction closed because of COVID and all that. Brenneman was able to work with Tyson's and they were able to get, their pigs in there. It wasn't a perfect system, but you really have to be tight with your packer. Interesting. Definitely. That, that's been a common, definitely a common thread among uh, Yeah. Among yeah. Guests it's a, it's well. an vertically integrated system at this point. But, but I would also say if you're looking at um, producers that have a lot of disease challenges, I mean, they're not going to survive long-term. You have to have a good handle on, um, you have to have healthy pigs. Right not trying to live with the disease and trying to eliminate if you can, right? It is time to our famous three. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high health registered purebred swine in the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot -E -E com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. On the three questions, uh, Betsy, that I ask every guest, the first one is your favorite pig-related book or resource. Anything that you've used over the years or, or a book or something that, that you like a lot and, and some other people can benefit of? Um, the resource that I looked at most recently was the listing that Steve Meyer always does on the ranking of the largest uh, pork packers and how many pigs they have. And 
And um, so I would say people should look that up and be familiar. You know, I rank the farms as versus sales and he ranks the packers. Um, mm -hmm. So that's good. And then I don't know. I, I really look, um, there's uh, e-newsletters that come out in the swine industry that are good mm. podcasts like you do with the, with the largest producers in the companies, but there's e-newsletters that come out from the breeding stock companies that are valuable to me. And um, also the uh, different companies that produce swine health information um, mm. and uh, have to be on top of uh, the the lenders mm. you know if you can sign up for e-newsletters from the largest ag bankers the feed companies the uh, breeding stock companies all of those e-newsletters awesome that'd be my tip i love it super cool and how about um could be a book or, or a resource as well on not related to pigs or or even agriculture just in general, right? Uh, I know uh, the reason I like to ask this question is because, of course, we are all in the industry, industry, and and we know each other. But I want to know the other side, like the other Betsy. Meaning, when you're not thinking about pigs, what's being, or or agriculture, what's being the one book could be, technical could be rom romance novel, whatever, that really um, you like the most. Oh, I have a huge library. Um... And I'm actually building a new house and putting in these wall-to-wall -wall bookshelves. I'm so excited. Wow, that's and amazing. And I've read more. I've read more this year because of uh, mm -hmm. the pandemic. Yeah. And um, I saw some stats where everybody's reading more books than ever, which is wonderful. Nice. But, I mean, I have favorite authors. I love um, Larry McMurtry. And, like, one of my favorite books is Lonesome Dove. That would be right up there. Okay. Um, but I also love uh, British history, like Wolf Hall. Okay. Um, Hilary Mantel is a wonderful writer. So I'm all over the board, but actually wow. not. I don't read um, many romance novels, unless you're talking about like My Antonia. or it, my, uh -huh. I tended to have a lot. I like history mm -hmm. um, a lot and nonfiction stories about science. Right. So I have a bigger nonfiction library than fiction, but I do, I do enjoy, um, I don't know that Western it's hard to beat sometimes the, the good writers that play in that Western cowboy kind of culture. Um, yeah. I don't know as an American, that's kind of fun. The pioneer stories, mm -hmm. Western wow. and pioneer. Yeah. Super cool. I love it. The other day I was watching us. A TV series or Netflix or something like that. It's called West. It's called Westworld, and it's um, Westworld. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. You have, right? I haven't. Yeah, it's, yet, but it's wild. It's freaky. It's freaky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they go out and this, and they pretend like they're in a Western culture. I'm, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, where, yeah. where the robots take over. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty freaky, but. It is, and yeah. honestly, we are definitely headed on that direction. The train has left the station, you know. There's just it makes no you wonder what kind of technology is out there. Uh, we talk about robotics and in the swine industry and robotics in the packing industry, and how we have to we need more robotics. But I don't think we want to get to the point where, 
you can't tell if, if a person is a robot or a human. <laughs> I don't want to get to that point yet. I know, right? But the, the cool thing and argument behind that is that if we, I think we all agree that if you go back 20 or 30 years and, and you look today, you know, video games are getting better every year or something. I'm, I'm not, I don't do, right? Or even the technology in general is getting better. Okay. So if you assume any rate of improvement could be 0.01% over a long period of time, it's indistinguishable of, of, from reality. So that's, I mean, we definitely are going to go in that direction. You know, it's just a matter of time, which is crazy and scary, like you said. I'll be dead by then, so I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> I think we all will, right? <laughs> but we just need to live long enough to live forever, I guess. That's the yeah. easy one. Awesome. And We and have then, to live past this election. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the, the next election is the, is the great, uh, I don't know what you call that, the great uh, barrier if you survive that, right? Um, yeah. If you live in Iowa, which is one of those states that could go either way, red or blue, then they just call you nonstop, you know, wow. trying to convince you to vote for the other guy. Oh, wow. The last question is um, about what do you think sets apart successful swine professionals in general from those that are not? I know we talked about producers, but just in general. Over the years that I've covered the industry, like I said, which is now um, 36 years plus, I would say, you know, that it's no different than any business. The successful producers that have stayed in business have adapted to change. Mm -hmm. So the ones who have said, I'm only going to raise pigs the way I've always raised them and use the same technologies, feed them the same, house them the same. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't survived long term. And I think you have to have a cooperative spirit, too. You have to be able to work with, um, like I said, your, the packers and, and others in the industry, your veterinarians, your feed companies, or, you know, and your mm -hmm. neighbors. I mean, mm -hmm. the story I'm working on right now is about tips from lawyers on how you can keep from getting sued as a nuisance. So, oh wow, you know, you got to be able to work with your neighbors if you're a pig farmer, mm -hmm. because unfortunately that's some of what's going on in the industry. Right. Right. So I'm curious now, what, what are those tips? <laughs> First of all, you need to know who your neighbors are and talk mm. to your neighbors Mm -hmm. and inform them when you're going to be spreading manure or injecting manure and, and mm -hmm. try to be friendly to them and also be careful where you site your facilities. It's pretty basic stuff, but mm -hmm. you also have to be up on new technology. You may not use all that technology, but you need to be aware of what it is. You need to research it and you need to have a reason why you're not using that technology on your farm so that if you are sued, you can say, look, I researched manure covers for my lagoon, let's say, but mm -hmm. it's too cost prohibitive or whatever. But you need to be aware, like I researched uh, odor control methods, but it would cost a hundred thousand dollars and and that's too cost prohibitive or that kind of thing mm -hmm. so, or it wouldn't work because i live in minnesota it gets too cold or whatever the reason is you need to research it interesting 
Super cool. Well, it's been a blast talking to you, Betsy. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact by bringing from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of swine nutrition on this seven-week-long elite online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding. It's conducted by myself, Dr. Marcio Gonçalves, and my world-class invited speakers. Additionally, you enjoy an exclusive community to exchange ideas. Go now to www.eliteswinenutritionist.com.